This is Mindful Grooving. We're just a couple of dance nerds who put the team in steam and the steam in steam, not STEM. Also, the extra M in steam is for mindfulness. We're some nice Midwestern girls currently based in Los Angeles, truly using the pod to stay in touch with all of our amazing maker friends, community members, and anyone who has insight on mindfulness, creativity, and how we melt the two. We also run a business together. We are digital media communication consultants, which is just a fancy way of saying you can rent us by the quarter to be your admin assistants with a whole lot of initiative, opinions, and a roadmap for the next phase of your business, organization, group, I don't know what this is yet, but it's cool and I love it, club, whatever you have going on that you want to see grow and thrive. On Mindful Grooving, we chatted up either with just us or oftentimes a special guest. Either way, each episode comes with its very own Mindful Groove. That's a custom exercise that's facilitated by us and our freaking fabulous buds. Come check us out every week on Thursdays. Yeah. Thursdays, we'll commit to it. Timelines, working on it. Come check us out whenever you want to shoot the breeze with us, and let's move, babies. Hey, hi. How's it going? Um, fine. I'm moving again. I move every three uh, months, and that's where I'm at. How are you? Yeah, I would say that you do have a, a, a three-month track record no this one was like this was six months yeah it was six months the next one will probably be like a year and then i'll hopefully live on my fucking own uh forever or until someone comes or i'm like you want to live with me like for real yeah real way not a roommate way right but right yeah life man as we know it Hey guys, uh, hey, we have a really super fun guest for y'all today. I'm excited because he's a part of, you know, my, my little crevice of the dance community and we didn't get a chance to, to speak when we met at this event a little bit back, so... I, for one, am excited that I get to share this homie with you. Yeah. It's a really great episode. I, uh, at least in my personal Sarah's opinion. just chilling. I'm, I'm there. I'm here. <laughs> I also had an ice cream truck recording. <laughs> very, uh, do 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 Very, uh, I can't like, even do it. I'm not gonna mute my mic. Just, uh... Enjoy the tune of childhood. <laughs> Go with it. Yeah. But be prepared to just be a sponge in this episode. Yeah, and learn dudes. Learn dudes. Yeah, smart kid. Yeah. He's a, he's a fully grown adult. I'm sorry. Very much an adult. But any hoozles. Uh, 
Let's Put get into your it. hands and claws together for a shout out, Sonny. I've been anticipating this for a minute, so I'm yeah, like, we've been we've been going back and forth, and you know, trying to lock it in. So I'm glad we got to. And there's and there's a lot to cover. And you know, what's great about the Mindful Grooving community is that we have um, makers and especially dancers in the community that are from all, you know all little subsects of the community. You know, we have the studio kids, you have the kids who, you know, grew up in battle scene, freestylers, people who call it improv, you know. So I'm glad we get to get this knowledge. But before we jump into um, everything, everything, um, today we have Rashad Hassani with us. um, And we're going to jump into well first off we met each other kind of met each other at this jam what was it two years ago now i get the funk down yeah um do you want to i don't know like your direct affiliation with the organization or anything but you want to tell us a little bit about what that's about yeah so that was actually um a good friend of mine her name is tracy uh her and her group organized um, that event, I think that was the third, the second or third edition, um, mm-hmm. which was in Minnesota that we met. So this was two years ago. And um, myself and um, my then partner, Future, or Ryan, we were asked to come and judge and like be a part of that whole weekend of like the festival. Um, yeah, so it was basically a popping event. Um, and I believe all styles or open styles, I can't remember exactly, but I think it was just popping yeah if i remember correctly it was just popping unless there was like a pre or post thing but no i think it was a popping one yeah um but yeah so it was it was a cool local event you know had some international guests and some national guests um Mm -hmm. and different people come and just to celebrate this this whole funk thing um but yeah so that's the the short background that i have on that (laughs) remember right now <laughs> yeah and then to get a little deeper just to know your shot why don't you tell us whatever your version of your origin story is that you would like to share with us today wow i like how you frame that um <laughs> so my origin story begins in new york city um born in queens raised in harlem and queens and then um yeah i'll come from beautiful parents Charles and Denise Pearson. And, um, you know, they, my household was just full of music. It was full of, you know, soul and funk and great conversations, arguments, the whole non-typical um, African-American household. Um, my neighborhood, I grew up in Ralph J. Rangel houses, also known as Colonial Projects, um, in addition to Queensbridge houses, QB. Um, and in Laurelton, Queens. And so in those places, I was seeing a lot of uh, different movement, you know, and just a lot of celebration of us as a people. Um, and so, yeah, that's the short version of, of who I am and yeah. where I come from. Um, up to date, I'm here in Maryland. I've been in this area since 2003, um, bouncing between D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, what we call the DMV. Um, and uh, yeah. That's my my short spiel. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Um, 
it's interesting. Again, we we met briefly, so I didn't know a lot of your origin story. So it's cool to to learn this about you. And you know, there's the there's the dance education we get just in the living room, right? Of just being surrounded. Um, and then there's the us as a dancer deciding to go out into the world and connect with community and all that good stuff. So um, when did you say that happened for you around? Um, connecting with the community. Mm-hmm. And finding, you know, your people and dance. Right. So I'd say when I was about 19, which was when I moved down to this area, 2003, um, mm-hmm. is when I found out that there was even a dance community. Um, prior to that, I had saw like different things on tapes. I had went seen people dancing at like Union Square in New York mm-hmm. Street, 34th. And they were typically like street hitters or buskers, you know, street performers. Um, so I didn't really know what to make of it. Right. And I wasn't having yeah. that back then. So later to find out that all those people that I was watching were also a part of this larger community. Um, but so coming down here at the age of 19, I was introduced to this, this scene here and uh, through what you call the DC Baltimore pop shop, um, which was run by the Boogie Nights and Liquid Pop Collective. Back then they did it every Saturday. Um, and it was a gentleman named Jake Esselkoff that introduced me to that, which with through him, I had randomly met on the train. I think I was teaching my uh, my girlfriend at the time something on a train, kind of in my <laughs> ego. I mean, it was like, oh, you were training someone. You're like, yeah. train you. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those situations. Uh-huh. He, he saw he saw what I was doing and was like, yo, um, are you a popper? And I was like, yeah, pop lock and da da da. And from there, he was like, okay, well, my crew, I'm going to a practice now. It's here in Virginia, but we do this thing every Saturday. You should come out. My, my group is called the Boogie Nights. And actually, that's the first crew that I joined, um, which I think was like end of 2003 um, or November, December 2003 that I, I had like linked up with them and started just okay. being on the wing. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. That that's so <laughs> like a couple of things because one, you know, hearing about where you're from, it seemed like you were just dropped into the center of it so much. Like you were so in the quote unquote community that you weren't aware that there was this community. Like I find mm-hmm. that interesting. People go to, you know, the place that you're from to like be in the community. Meanwhile, you know, there's that. Right. I think it's because when, you know, when you're growing up, like you're just kind of immersed in the thing. I don't think you're, you're, you really are conscious of what it is. You can like what it all is and how to make sense of it and articulate it. Yeah. We just did it. Like we, we were waving, we did hip hop, we did all that stuff, but we weren't like going out of our way to like try to understand what it was further, you know? And so I think coming outside of it, actually made me appreciate New York more, but two, like you started seeing that there were people who weren't from those same neighborhoods who were practicing this thing. And so those are the ones I was typically linking up with because they didn't have access. So they had to create those types of environments that for us was just walking out of my room and my mom is in the kitchen doing this, you know what I mean? So it was so normal. Um, 
And, and it's funny because nowadays I'm kind of going back to that backyard, bedroom, kitchen, you know what I mean? Like type of energy. So yes, yeah. really thing, but it's, yeah, it's funny that you bring that up. Yeah. And then the second thing, just in my personal dance world, I can't even, even articulate in my mind or differentiate in my mind how much of what I know technique wise was because someone was trying to talk to me at first. <laughs> it's like that in the community is like them, them stepping to you. Right. It's like, Oh, I see you're trying to learn this, like come to this session. Right. And yeah. So that's, that's an interesting part of it as well. Okay. Well, you know, at this jam, you know, it was in a studio space and all that good stuff, but you know, at least on my end of things, there's been this kind of divide, um, within the community, not so much like animosity wise, but just like, you know, regionally or whatever it is of these studio kids. And then, you know, who have never been to a battle and these battle kids who've never been to like a dance convention, you know what I mean? So in your like upcoming, like coming up as a dancer, whether it was teaching or anything, when did you see yourself be able to transition or kind of toe the line between these two communities? Or have you? Um, yeah. So after, after being a part of the Boogie Nights, one of the, my first teachers, which his name was Randy Tipton, um, he introduced me to Junius Brickhouse. And this was March 2005. We met in a club called Dragonfly um, on a Wednesday night. And through, through Junius's um, friendship, actually, that we developed from that time forward, um, he had a lot more experience with seeing the international scene. He lived in Germany. Um, he was traveling around Europe because he was stationed there in the army. And so he was intermixed with all the larger events and just different things that were going on. And so through his lens and experience, I was able to like tap further into teaching, um, start to, you know, build with different types of communities outside of just carpet sessions and going to 18 and up clubs, you know, and going to the clubs where all the uh, said underground dancers go. So now we're like, we're starting to mix in with many different types of movers and thinkers. Um, so I would say this was 2005 that this really started to kind of um, be propelled into this, into this space. Um, and in, in DC actually is interesting because like it's primarily, maybe it's like this in a lot of places, but it's primarily B boys and B girls. Um, and then we have this, a huge university and college like system here. So there's a lot of people who are coming in and out of here from out of town and typically join these college teams. So a lot of the dancers sometimes would cross over, either go from college teams and then they're learning on their so-called freestyle team to do these other styles, which is where we would come in and teach them, right? I.e. like mm -hmm. culture here, there's Capital Funk. There was a bunch of different teams and college units. So with that, um, we were also able to connect, you know, and build with folks. So 2005, I think, was about that time that that happened for me. Okay, nice. And then um, I guess right now, there's, there's your website, you know, there's Soulmatic, and then there's these kind of interspersings that you've been sharing 
with your community. Uh, do you want to touch on what Soulmatic is about? Yeah, absolutely. So there's been a huge transition last year where I actually I left my organization and crew that I was with, the Assassins in Urban Artistry. This was around April, May of last year. And so with that, um, I, was, I mean, I've always been connected with a, different people, but I had um, met a gentleman named Ashton, or also known as Stacks, and he runs an event called Stiggity Stacks Worldwide, um, or Stacking Styles. And with, with him, um, we started working really closely from the spring up until now, where we're on the phone like every two days. And he has this program called the Life Builders Cohort. Um, where basically he's teaching artists how to organize their businesses as entrepreneurs. From thank God, yeah, <laughs> I mean, huge, right? Like all these years that I've been like a part of this community, this was the missing ingredient, right? Like how to sustain for longevity. Um, and here, this young man who's about ten years younger. You know, who I had, I had to humble myself. I was like, okay, <laughs> dude, can you help me put this thing together in a proper way, you know, um, so I can, yeah, just take care of myself and my family and my peoples. Um, and the Life Builders cohort is what set the tone for what Soulmatic is now. And Soulmatic, because I left, is kind of like my, my coming home party. Soulmatic builds off of Nas's first album, Illmatic. Nas is from the projects that my father grew up in, that I was born in, in Queensbridge. And so I always have this like, you know, affinity to this cat and the way that he holds himself, his music, this like, I don't want to say it's overly self-righteous, but he's, he's definitely a righteous brother. And so I'm inspired by him. So Soulmatic is a clear cut, like, okay, yeah. you know, I want to use this thing for, for who I am. Um, in addition to that, like I wanted to do something that like included my family more. So kind of going back to when we were talking about moving from New York, coming here, finding a dance scene, but I was already immersed in this thing growing up as a child. Well, I started feeling that kind of pressure. Like, why is it that my my mom, my dad, my my daughters, you know, my siblings, my cousins aren't more involved in what I do when my first imprint of this all comes from them, those first 19 years of my life. Right. You know, so I wanted to find a way to include them more. And Soulmatic just felt like the right thing to do. Um, it first started with a soul man. It was me just like, damn, who am I in this world? I'm 36 now. I got two daughters. You know, all these things are just like. Who reflect. are, we got yeah. dogs. Who are so <laughs> gorgeous. They're so adorable. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Had, yeah. Couldn't end it without letting you know. So gorgeous. <laughs> but continue. <laughs> um, so with that, with that um, reflection and internal work, um, it just felt right for me to call myself a soul man. I never had a dance name, an artist name. Rashad's, it suffices. I'm like one of the only Rashad's in the dance community. And even the meaning of my name is already powerful because it means righteous in Arabic. Hassani means handsome in Arabic. So it's like, it's strong and it stands alone. Um, but I thought that a soul man was right for me more on a personal note, just so I can 
ground myself, get back to my people. A soul man felt too singular, too much about me. So I was like, well, I've got all these other people that I'm involved with. How do I open it up where I have a company that, you know, it's just inclusive. And so Soulmatic came about. Um, education, the interviews and archival work, um, merchandise, et cetera, et cetera. Who knows where it's going to grow? I got some ideas, but I want to put it out too too early. But yeah, so that's what Soulmatic is all about right now. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, congratulations. Um, just going back a little bit to being able to find someone to help you organize and at least lay down the foundation for that vision. I'm I'm glad that that wave is happening. Um, and I wanted to ask you about just that building process because I have friends, you know, people that we both know that call me up, that text me and they're like, hey, like I'm trying to do this dance thing for real. Like I'm trying to make a career out of it. What do I do? And then I tell them what to do and then they don't do it and they like keep on doing this. But like, <laughs> where would you say for the dancers, you know, in your own community, for the people uh, generations after or whatever, when they're making that decision, like, okay, this art is my actual life. It's my actual calling. And it's my calling to put it into my work as well. Um, what are some first steps for people to organize these ideas and make them turn it into fruition? I hear Mr. Softy. I'm sorry. That's yeah, who is that? <laughs> oh, there's um there's always an ice cream man. There's always a man with his like the shaved eyes, the lotes, like just my, oh, just my neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if it keeps going, oh, wait, I'll, 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 I'll mute myself. <laughs> um all good. So I um the first thing I think is acknowledging that like that's what you want to do and where you want to go. Um, get a book, start writing out ideas. You know, all ideas are great. Just write it out, get it out of your head, talk to people about it, get in the air, get it moving, build some momentum for it. Um, once you have that, I think it's then about like, just start organizing your thoughts a little bit, you know, okay, well, if this is what I want to do for a career, then okay, monetizing is involved. How do I, what am I selling? What am I What's my service that's going to bring value to people and to myself? Um, and then figure out what do you, what number do you want to put on that? You know, if it's classes, if you're selling merch, if you're trying to perform, if you're doing short films, if you're, I mean, whatever that is, you have to figure out, you know, uh, you know, what's the cost for it. Um, from there, I think network, you know, having conversations with people, getting to know your community locally um getting know getting to know your national community and international where can this thing go what are the possibilities um and leave no rock left unturned there's no wrong way to start you just have to try to get these things out there and put on paper design it so that you can start moving forward um mm -hmm. and uh yeah i think that that's that's a great way to start to like kick this thing off for sure. Yeah, thank you. Is is the ice cream man gone? I don't want to meet you forever. Is he still there? No? Okay. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to bring Sarah into the mix because we we session together and we we create together and stuff like that. And we come from a like a wide range of all kinds of genre backgrounds. Um, 
and I make her whack and I make her pop and stuff. <laughs> um, and yeah. so like, uh, but like there's even the teaching part or in the learning part um, of being able to go into those spaces. I know when I, when I teach people who aren't used to those certain types of movement, it's kind of this feeling like they aren't um, either able to come into the space or am I making that up, Sarah? Like when I, um, it's just what I like clock when I'm like teaching. I, I don't know if it's necessarily that I'm not welcomed into the space, but I'm, I feel there's like a, it's a different weightedness than if I'm like approaching any other um, dance class. Like I, I definitely, I feel like there has to be like a level of respect and appreciation into how I'm entering that space. Like I can't just come in as a, as me as this dancer and whatever training, like, I feel like it's not about my training and my background. It's about like the community and respecting community and like what these dances mean. So at least when I come into a space, especially when I'm doing, I'm learning these styles from you, I, I feel like I'm just absorbing so much history and I'm trying to like be present and observe this history. <laughs> like thinking and, about like 30 facets of it at once. But like yeah. to, yeah, to get into me. it, yeah, but to get into it and to share with anybody who's like, oh, I like this thing, but I don't know where to start because I go to a studio and it doesn't look like how I saw it. But um, Rashad, if you want to, I guess since we're on funk now, can you just educate us a little bit on what you understand as, you know, the origin story of funk dance and about its foundation and intention and all that good stuff? Uh, yeah, I can. Um, wow. That's, that's huge. There's a lot of things to talk about. Funk, yeah. Funk is so broad. Um, funk music comes out of James Brown, right? James Brown's first song, um, the first funk song was Papa's Got a Brand New Bag. Debatable because some people say that or they also say Cold Sweat. But it was this whole idea of the one which can be a metaphor for a lot of things. But the band coming in on this one, and like from there on out, those next, the rest of the bar is making everybody feel like, even if they're playing a wind instrument or whichever instrument, it feels like a rhythm section. So it was a very driving sound. And that inspired the nation, really the world, to, to move. And each city throughout the States was moving in different ways. I think more notably, we've learned about New York's response. We've learned about Southern California. We learned about Northern California. Um, but there's still all these other states and cities that were, were getting down. Um, and so that funk was the, the voice, the soundtrack to the people of African descent, you know? And so, yeah, this is 1964, 1965, and just every year after that, you're getting different bands, different ways to build on that sound, different ways to move the costume, um, the politics is happening at this time. You know, I mean, it's just full. It's really complete, right? Um, and so the kids just had this energy, similar to how we see today, dealing with trap, or if you if you watch um, any of the, you know, the younger children and young adults in New York dealing with like light feet, 
you know, that movement. If you look at Chicago footwork, if you look at Detroit JIT, there's this whole, there's this energy in the room. There's an energy about the people, about there's certain ways that they dress, the certain music that they choose, there's a way that they talk. And there's a whole thriving culture. And that's what funk was for people of like my parents' generation, you know, which then leaked into, you know, my generation and is going to continue forward. Um, in particular, things like popping came out of this or really the Boogaloo first, which is out of Oakland in 1964, 1965. Because of James Brown, he was saying, do the boogaloo. And everybody would get up and try to do this dance. Um, interesting enough, right? Like a couple weeks ago, I was teaching the class. And my parents knocked on my door. I'm halfway into the middle of my class. And I'm teaching them about uh, the twisto flex, which is a specific move in popping or the boogaloo, also known as the broken body. And when they come in the house, they're hella loud. Like typical family, just like <laughs> yeah. grilling me, asking me questions. But um, because of that, I was like, damn, how do I continue to teach and, you know, keep it kind of professional, whatever professional looks like for me, but I don't want to exclude my people. So I brought them in on the fold and I asked my dad, I said, hey, dad, first question. Hey, dad, what's the boogaloo? Can you show me how to do the boogaloo dance? And my dad did this thing where he bites his lip and he starts to, <laughs> mm. he said, that's the boogaloo James Brown was doing this in 1965. Right. And you just see him light up and just those those memories just come back. He turns into that teenage boy again, you know. Um, and so, yeah, funk was just it was ever present, ever present. You could you could hear it. You could feel it. You could taste it. Um, yeah, that's there's a lot of stuff that comes out of it. I hope that kind of gives you a For general. Sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it's I appreciate hearing it and um, asking different people in different communities and still hearing that uh, same through line. So it's, Work. yeah, it's nice to hear, but it's, it's funny. I wrote down cause I'm a, I'm a dance nerd, you know, Sarah and I are both dance nerds and you're saying back before, as opposed to now, cause now when someone's like, do this dance, it's like, here's a TikTok and I'll show you the exact choreography and you better get this right. But then before it's like, do this dance. What's this dance? I don't know. Get up and figure it out. And mm. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a big thing. I mean, it was the way that people were learning was either through oral tradition or you were just watching someone and you just tried to figure it out, which created a lot of um, individuals, you know, which is really high when it comes to this these different dances right like how are you going to carry on a tradition of being yourself you can't look like me now there might be some tone or in certain movements that are similar but for the most part you want to have your own identity but that also speaks to that time too we're talking like post-civil rights movement like things are kind of transitioning over there's all these different groups there's the black power like so there's people who are just like here i am chest open hair is out I'm colorful, take me as I am, or don't take me at all, right? And so each person had to be able to stand on their own in that way. And then also feel like when you stood on your own, you were armed with people next to you, you know, who they had you, they got you, that's, that's your community. So the funk also represents that. And so the individualities came out even more so because of this type of spirit, you know? 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, how do you know when you're ready to teach this or to carry on this tradition? Wow, that's a tough question because I can't say that I was necessarily ready, but I was drawn to wanting to pass on information and I did the best with the little bit that I had, you know, kind of like making a dollar out of 15 cent, you know, and I feel like a lot of people do that. But it also goes back to what we were just talking about, where people weren't if they were passing things here and there or traditions. Right. But like, again, you were watching someone, you tried to figure it out. Well, what makes that any different than someone having that little bit of information and then actually trying to open it up, unpack it for you and go, OK, I don't know everything, but here's what I can give you. Right. I think that is a step in the right direction. So it's hard to say without us having like some sort of system like we're trying to do now where everyone's in dance schools as to when is it's appropriate. Should you have, you know, X, Y, Z under your belt before you, because I was already at the time I was learning from these cats, there were people who were walking into the pop shop that it was their first time. I'm 19. And I go, this is what I learned from Tippy, And I'm doing this step. And I'm like, it's called the Fresno. And, and it's this each one teach one idea. So okay. I think, long as it's as long as it's honest and you understand that you're breeding and 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 actually and if, even if you are wrong you can always go back and say oh okay that step that i showed you I, I had it wrong like this this is maybe a different way that you could go about it or these are some other people that you can seek out to reach and get more information for yourself because i don't know it all and actually even now i'm 37 but i'm like I don't know everything. And so that's okay. It's okay to not know it all. And it's okay to be able to cite different types of resources for people to go in that direction and find out for themselves as well. You know, I think the problem can sometimes come in where you treat it like you're the end all be all to the information that you're given. So when can you start? You can start immediately. Just Know that you're taking on a huge responsibility and do the work to make that step be better. And you can get better at that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I like that as long as you're honest. And it's interesting because the people, at least in my world, are people who I look up to and dance. And I'm like, why aren't you teaching? And they're like, oh, I'm not ready. I haven't been given this. It's like they're waiting for this torch to be passed to them. Mm. But, you know... It's, it kind of turns into hoarding knowledge after a while. But, you know, that could also come from fear or just genuinely not feeling like you're ready. But, yeah, I, I like this idea of more, more teachers, more, more micro teachers instead of someone waiting to be able to, like, swing open the door and be like, I'm the master and everyone follow me and just understanding the, the incremental steps to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, good good luck waiting because it there's I know dealing with like the boogaloo strutting robot and popping that there's this huge competition amongst these elders when from when they were in their youth. And so um they're afraid, they're protecting a lot of their information most of the time. Um because they back then they were 
if I was to give you everything that I did, then you can beat me with the information that I give you. And so they still hold on to those same stories, which is why I think we sometimes see the bickering back and forth between our elders and even the students of them, right? But like, because of that, people are afraid to give that. And one way that I was, I've been able to kind of sift through, you know, those insecurities is like, well, this information that you have, one is genius, right? You've got to know your intelligence in this. And two, the, your value in that, like you're so important in this story, you know, but you have to be willing to share that because if you don't and tomorrow's not promised, it goes with you, you know? So now there's one less elder for us to help document, you know, so that these stories and traditions can be carried forward, you know? And we see now, I mean, just last year we lost in the Boogaloo, robot popping instructing communities, we lost about five different elders, like back to back, you know, and keep a knowledge just gone. We'll never be able to get that back. There's not enough film and pictures in the world can capture everything that was stored in their bodies, you know? So we have to be careful with that. Um, especially our elders and even us, you know, as we're coming up, looking at them for like, uh, you know, as templates to what things could be to learn from their mistakes, you know, um, granted, a lot of them didn't know that this thing would be carried on the way that it's being carried today. And so rightfully so, but it's never too late, you know, to change that around so that we can still have something for the youth and the people who are around now, you know? Yeah. And then, um, at least one of my last questions before we get into the mindful groove is how just you feel about the innovation of where not only just funk, but just like black styles in general, uh, for example, choreography, when you look at a piece of choreography in general and you're like, okay, there's, there's popping in there. This is, you know, um, there's some strutting going on over there, but it's a contemporary piece, you know? What are, what have you been, your observations, your thoughts, feelings? Yeah, um, I have a, a lot of different thoughts about that. If you'd asked me this five years ago, maybe longer, I'll say longer. <laughs> I'd have been like, nah, there's no way that you should be mixing these things, right? Um, I just feel like people should be informed. And so I think people can be allowed. You should be able to do what it is that you want to do. But again, Teaching doesn't always happen in classroom setting. When you perform, people are taking in information. If you are doing a movie or any type of short film, you know, or a podcast or any of this, people are taking in this information. We're breeding. So we have to be mindful. <laughs> we have to be mindful <laughs> of these things. <laughs> uh, so there it is. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> Like but, um, playhouse, magic word, everything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not necessarily against it. I just think that just be informed. What is it that you're doing? What are you trying to message you're trying to convey for others to take in, you know, and, and how will that last at the, you know, time? Like it's going to last and people are going to go back and reference this. So just be mindful, you know, be informed about your stuff. For sure. Uh, before we jump into mindful groove, Sarah, do you have any 
any questions, anything for No, it's, just, it's really, I, I, I'm just really interested because I was trying to do... Yeah, you're in student mode right now. I'm in student mode right now. So, you know, like leading up to our conversation, I was trying to do my own independent research and um, I, I just found that it was like very limited as to what I could find or like at least in my initial with, you know, having a week to kind of prepare. So it was making me really think about um, perhaps like this oral tradition of passing down and then and then thinking about these structures with the elders and and how things are passed down and they're keeping things close to your chest so or their chest. So it, it was it's just something um, really striking and very interesting to me to think about like just how how this history is being passed down and and how to like kind of pull it out and like. I don't know the st the stories. I'm really interested in the stories. So, um, yeah. You find an OG, you'll have three and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. <of stories>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Cool. St st still in student mode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As we all are. So, getting into our mindful group, you know, whether we have a guest or not, we try to give something to our community, to our audience, um, either whether it's an exercise, a tool, something that really helps you in your personal life, practice mindfulness, mental health, and just mental wellness, emotional wellness, all that. Wow. Yeah, well, that struck a chord because mm. I'm in a certain position right now where I'm unable to dance right? Because I injured my back trying to work out and get back in shape. You know, my legs out the game, I have what's called dropped foot because of a herniated disc. So the muscles in my feet are not engaged also in my glutes. So it put me in this even deeper kind of emotional state in the midst of everything going on. I'm still having the whole classes. And I've always had like um, journaling as a tool to let my thoughts go um, ever since I can remember. And um, I've always been really good at being vulnerable, especially in, with people that I felt like I was really comfortable with. And the older I get, the more I'm able to be vulnerable in public, um, shedding tears, giving my testimony, um, which is a testament to a lot of things. But Journaling is huge. To add to this, I have multiple books that are just sitting here around me. I know it's going to be recorded, right? I've yeah. got all kinds of books that I just, a book for, for kinds of stuff. And, and these are all different uh, journals for different vibes. <laughs> yeah. Journals, different vibes, but also different time frames. So I can see where I'm at, you know, depending on the year of the book. Um, and I have these just kind of like sporadically around the house. And so if I'm in a certain mood, I'll reach out and I'll grab one. I'll either read old things, poetry, and I'll recite it out loud. I'll read where my headspace was at and be like, damn, I'm not there no more. That's dope. I've moved forward. Or look and be like, damn, why am I still repeating? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, in addition to this, I, I record myself, my voice in the phone. Um sometimes just talking like to me hey Rashad what's going on man it's gonna be a great day you'll be all right 
you know, or being like, dang, today was awesome. Um, and whatever else comes out after that. Um, I also have a, a shrine here for, you know, my elders, my grandfather, Mac, my grandmother, Bernice, my uncle, uh, Terrence, um, and then Malcolm X. And actually, it's a Malcolm X comic book that I was given by my father when I was about 12 or 13. Um, and um, yeah, so I sometimes I, I lay there or I sit there and I'll just speak to them before I go out the house or before I sleep. And we just have intimate conversations. Um, and this is actually because of my mentor, Junius, my then mentor, Junius, who uh, practiced Yoruba um, as a religion. And so, you know. I'm I, like, look, look. Good to see you. Multiple different ways to, to you know, Mind, be mindful, but a lot of it has to do with putting things into words because I'm, I'm very heady, um, sometimes to the point of self-destructive behavior. And, um, and it can get really lonely in my head with all these thoughts just like punching at me. <laughs> um, and in addition to that, I have some really good friends that I can pick up the phone and just be like, what you doing? Yo, let me tell you what's going on. And we'll sit and talk to each other for hours, you know, sharing what we're feeling and uh, get off the phone and you just feel so much lighter. It may influence the writing for, for me. Um, it might influence me to dance. Um, unfortunately, not at this moment, but I've been dancing through my words, you know, through my hand. Um, so that's a big one for me, journaling and poetry. Yeah. Well, first off, you know, we wish you so much healing. Yeah. I know Sarah does a lot of work with, you know, tell us about your pain work, Sarah. I don't want to muddle <laughs> over it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I have a relationship with um, pain from my own personal injury, uh, injuries in my back um, that took a lot of time to heal. Cause when you have a herniated disc and if you have multiple herniated discs, well, uh, that pain sucks. And so it led me down a path of, um, trying to have a relationship with pain and, and managing mm. the pain and looking at alternative ways to heal pain. So you I, work with like physical therapists office and like pain management and stuff, right? Yeah, so I was assisting PTs and occupational therapists, and then I got to bring in yoga into the space. So the 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 road down or the the, the road to healing and and managing pain is um, a timely one, but you know we do come to a a point where the pain is hopefully not as bad as it once was. So, and that can be said for any physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, and even the calling friends, like I'm a, I'm sure there are a lot of heady people around and they have friends that love them dearly, but they're like, I can't call this person now. I'm going to bother them and da, da, da. Yeah. It's like, it's a really good tip to just kind of pierce through that because that's you telling you what's going to happen, which isn't necessarily true. So just kind of reach out anyway. Like phones are convenient like that. If they want to ignore, they could press ignore, but they might pick up and they might call later. 
Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, yeah. We need that. I think sometimes um, we're afraid to count on them. We, I think, give other people excuses for ourselves. And I don't think that that's fair. We got to give them a chance. So let's pick up a phone. I love doing it, especially a lot now since we're in this lockdown. I'm like, all day. Hey, 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 what's doing? You know? So it's a good thing. Nice. Can heavily well, relate to your multiple journals as well. I have so many. It's, it's not a problem. It's a good problem. <laughs> so. Documentarians, you know. So <laughs> to find you out in the world, Rashad, we have www.soul-matic.com. Is that correct? Yep, that's the way. Right. And then for IG, it's just Rashad.Hassani, which we'll all put in the show notes um, and all of that good stuff. But wanted to get that out there first. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. I feel like we could have talked for 9,000 hours. So maybe you come <laughs> on next time and we get into another like crevice of this whole thing in, you know, Black Diasporic Art in general, you know, we're, we're thankful to you to share, uh, that you're sharing your knowledge and uh, providing a resource for people who not only want to come into the culture, but who are, uh, in the community already wanting to pass on these traditions, um, implemented into their careers, um, teaching all of that. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. Problem. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for letting me be a student today and uh, sharing your story. I really appreciate this it. This is the quietest Sarah has been, which means she's sponging up Mine. because sponge. she can talk. She I'm can a talk. chatty cat. Don't be, <laughs> don't be uh, <laughs> deceived. But, you know, until, until next time, um, we're going to sign off. And thank you for being a part of our Mindful Grooving community. Of course, anytime. Mindful Grooving is an Agoon Artist Collective production hosted by Sarah Maslanka and Brittany Harlan. Theme song produced by Kenneth Lethbridge. Show engineered by Josh Luis. If you want to hang out with us after the show, follow us on Instagram at Mindful Grooving or head over to mindfulgrooving.com to see all the platforms we offer the pod on and Check out more UNARD's productions. See you soon.